Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening, and we are excited this afternoon and evening to have Miss Miley Neal on from us, uh, on with us from the North Carolina State Climate Office. We're going to be talking about heat islands and something we've talked about here recently. Uh, at least uh, talking about the warming climate and how these cities are really not cooling off during the evening times and actually kind of prompting their own kind of weather in the summertime with pop-up storms and things like that. So we'll talk with Molly about that. There's some cool things going on in Raleigh that uh, that folks are, are being able to help be citizen scientists and really help document what's going on in Raleigh. So uh, Miley, welcome to the show. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Before we kind of dive into the topic tonight, how did you uh, get interested in, in climatology and weather? What's what's kind of like your story? I went to undergrad at the University of Oklahoma. Um, I've kind of always been interested in weather. Um, I knew I wanted to do something in weather. I just didn't really know what. Uh, once I got to Oklahoma, I really started developing this passion for climate and um, urban heat islands, especially. I, I wrote some papers on urban heat islands in undergrad, and I've always just kind of been interested in that topic. It's a really fascinating topic. And um, Frank, I know you guys there in Columbia, you experienced this in the summertime. Uh, places like Greenville, South Carolina, Charlotte, Raleigh, obviously Winston-Salem, Greensboro, our, our bigger cities really see um, these heat islands uh, develop. So before we kind of talk into the project, for those who may not understand or may not know exactly what a heat island is, uh, can you kind of give us some uh, some basics about that? Yeah, so heat islands, they're based off of differences in land use between different areas um, of a city. And one factor of this is albedo. Um, so for those who don't know, albedo is basically a measure of reflectivity of a surface. Um, so darker surfaces have lower reflectivity, lighter surfaces have higher reflectivity. And in heat islands, they're typically in very dense city areas that have lower albedo and lower reflectivity. So the sunlight that comes into those areas, it's getting absorbed more so rather than reflected. Um, so those areas tend to heat up a lot hotter than other areas of the cities. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, these kind of create their own weather system. So like in the summertime, for instance, um, we kind of see these cities stay warmer at night and they can Sometimes we've seen um, some evidence on radars that kind of storms develop over these more warmer areas. Is that something that you um, are experienced with there, Molly? That's happened. I haven't done a lot of research on it personally, but I know there is some research out there um, where storms are popping up more so over cities because they're warmer um, and also downstream of cities. Um, as the heat's kind of flowing downstream, um, there's been more storms and more rain downstream of urban heat islands and i think frank we something you see a lot there in columbia evening in the evening times you you see those storms kind of pop up late into the evening yeah we do uh we we see the thunderstorms they uh sometimes end up popping up right over the city uh on these hot muggy summer days that we that we see so uh yeah that's no surprise um i, I don't think that it's quite as pronounced here in columbia as it might be in some other places. Uh, it's pretty well documented uh, that Atlanta uh, sees a lot more in the way of thunderstorms over the city and kind of the east side of the city and, and going off to the east. I think it was Northern Illinois University. Some researchers there uh, wrote a paper on that, but um, they, they found that that uh, during the summer months, the radar reflectivity uh, has kind of a max 
just over the east and kind of east northeast from from Atlanta uh, because the prevailing winds are, are out of the west, so uh, or the prevailing steering currents. So yeah, that's that's pretty well documented there, and and I, I kind of anecdotally have noticed that you, you're seeing those thunderstorms happening more over town here in Columbia than and and off to the east than than you might to the north and west. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how how that happens. Uh, Miley, so you guys are doing some cool stuff with the state climate office there. Talk to us about um, this project that you guys have going on. So it wasn't just us. Uh, We were one of the contributors to the project, but I'm going to go ahead and list our other partners. So we had the Durham Museum of Life and Science, um, Durham County, the city of Raleigh, the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, the Weather Service Office in Raleigh, and then a nonprofit called Activate Good here in Raleigh. Um, so all of us were kind of contributor contributors and collaborators. Now I can't talk um, on this project. And, and tell us about that project. What 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 all happens with that? I mean, I know um, the folks there in the Raleigh area they can help participate in this. The biggest part of this project was a couple of years ago um, in 2021. And we did a citizen science project um, for the Raleigh and Durham heat mapping. And this was part of a nat- national project actually um, called Heat Watch. And that's funded by NOAA, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And then it's also run by a company called Capta Strategies. So Heat Watch started in 2017, I believe, and more and more cities have been participating in this every year. Um, so for Raleigh and Durham, we did in the summer of 2021. And then after we figured out that we got accepted to this project, we started recruiting volunteers. Uh, We had way more people sign up than we were even expecting. The project was super, super popular um, and it really took off. Um, So we knew we wanted to do like the hottest day that we could uh, for data collection um, of the urban heat islands. So we worked with the National Weather Service in Raleigh. Uh, They were giving us weekly forecasts. And then once we decided on a day that we wanted, um, we chose July 23rd of 2021. Then we sent out a mass email to all of our volunteers. We told them what day it was going to be, when they could show up. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it got started. And so what what instruments, uh, I'm, I'm assuming a thermometer, but how, how did you, how did the folks get these instruments and, and tools to use to, uh, to get the information for y'all? So we got... Uh, some sensors sent to us by Kappa Strategies, which was the organization that ran the campaign. Um, yeah, so they were sensors that recorded temperature, humidity, and the GPS location of where the sensor was. And these were able to connect to uh, vehicles. So we put them actually on the passenger side window of people's cars uh, um, for our volunteers that brought their cars. And then we also had some bicycle volunteers as well. So a few of the sensors could attach to the handlebars of their bicycles. Um, and it, it looked pretty much like a, a PVC pipe, um, basically, to protect the sensor um, and shield it from the sun. So you could get kind of that airflow going through the PVC pipe and get really good measurements from that. So the results from that, did you find like any particular part of the Raleigh-Durham metro area was maybe warmer than other parts or? Yes, definitely. Um, The downtown areas really, really stood out um, in both Raleigh and Durham. Um, And then other areas that have really low albedo, um, like really dark paved surfaces. So major roadways 
were another area that really stood out. And then there were a few neighborhoods throughout both Raleigh and Durham um, that were a lot hotter than other neighborhoods. The heat island effect, it, uh, it, I, I don't know if it's been researched very much how it uh, goes on into the night. And I'm curious if, uh, if you know of anything that's gone on with that, uh, because I just kind of suspect that in addition to the higher albedo during the day, resulting in higher temperatures in, in some areas, that at night, the same land use because of differences in, in heat capacity of the of land surface versus road surface or buildings and so forth might also be playing a role into uh, keeping things warmer at night. Uh, Could you make any comments about that? Yeah, I do know that certain types of land use can hold on to the daytime heat more um, and and last longer into the night. And it tends to be those areas with the lower albedos again and areas with um, tall buildings also, um, like downtown areas. You have those tall buildings, the heat's kind of getting trapped in between those buildings and it's not really able to um, go back up into the atmosphere overnight. So it kind of just stays down near the surface um, and keeps those areas hotter. Right. I, I also wonder, just just curious, that's probably a small percentage, but something that I think about sometimes is that it, it, down when you have a concentration of people in a city that that literally the amount of electricity they're using, I mean, it all it all's going to get dissipated as heat. So if you have you know literally megawatts of of electricity being used for a long period of time, I wonder if that also plays a, a role in keeping temperatures up at night when you have air conditioner trying to trying to pump the heat outside and, and, and the amount of power it takes to do that. It does. Yeah. Um, air conditioning is definitely one of the big factors that goes into creating an urban heat island, um, also called um, human-caused heat emissions um, is another one. So like uh, a lot of vehicles that drive around in the downtown areas or just highly populated areas, um, those vehicles are em- emitting heat. So that's another factor that goes into it too. Molly, is this project still on? I know you mentioned 2021. Is this still something that you guys are going to or doing or are going to do this upcoming summer or or how? So the the data collection was just in the summer of 2021. Um, the data is still being used now, um, so people can get involved in using the data if they want to. Um, so I know that the cities of both Raleigh and Durham are doing a lot with the data currently. And the data is also available publicly. So if anyone wants to go and download it, it's on the State Climate Office website. Um, If you have any kind of GIS experience, you can look at the the shapefiles and the rasters, or we have um, a report that shows the data also that people can look through. What what are some of the uses for the data from like Raleigh and Durham? I mean, what are they using that for? Both the cities, uh, they have access to the data, they're using the data. The city of Raleigh is running a project called the Cool Roadways Project, um, and they're covering roads with a coating of titanium dioxide. And basically what it does is it's a lot lighter in color than the original pavement, um, and it allows more of the heat from the sun to be reflected instead of absorbed. So it's really cooling down those roadways and those neighborhoods. Um, And I know that it's made a significant impact so far. Um, They did it last year, I believe, as a pilot project, and they're doing it again this year as well in more neighborhoods. Um, And then Durham, the city of Durham has an urban forestry plan to plant trees in areas that need them. And I know that they're using our maps to kind of locate 
to help them locate where those areas are. Um, both of the cities, also another thing I just thought of, both of the cities have a few buildings with white roofs or green roofs. Um, and that helps kind of reflect the sunlight back up into the atmosphere and not absorb so much of it also. Well, anything else you guys are working on there or you're working on specifically uh, with, with the heat islands here in North Carolina or specific, specifically the Raleigh-Durham area? Not anything else that we're working on currently um, for the cities. I know that there is going to be a project coming up at NC State um, looking at the heat islands of NC State, but it hasn't started yet and I don't have a whole lot of information about it yet. Any any consideration to maybe trying this out in other metro areas in North Carolina, like, like Charlotte or Greensboro, or Asheville, Wilmington, places like that? Yeah, um, I know that some of the other cities in North Carolina are very interested in doing it. Um, Asheville's interested in doing it. I think they are actually planning kind of their own project instead of going through the Kappa Heat Watch project I think they're planning on doing it on their own so they've actually been talking to me a little bit about um, getting sensors and how to run their project. Um, the cities of Chapel Hill and Charlotte I don't think it was the city I think it was actually UNC um, so UNC Chapel Hill and UNC Charlotte have researchers who are doing some urban heat work there on their campuses um, and then actually in South Carolina, there are two cities that have done the same project that we've done, which are Charleston and Columbia. So they have results from their own projects also. One of the things that has me curious now is how, how the titanium dioxide uh, actually affects the, the, uh, the traction on the road and longevity of the road and things like that. It's, it's, I'm wondering if it, it would be interesting if it also had the, the added benefit of, of uh, giving you more grip and and, uh, and maybe helping the road last longer because it has a coating on it. It'd be interesting to find those things out. Yeah. yeah. I think it does make it a little bit more durable, but that's just my short-term memory of an article that I read. <laughs> well, Molly, we appreciate uh, you joining us and, and talking to us about this. Um, is there anything else, like, as we come into the summer months, I mean, I know heat is is a big thing maybe any safety heat safety tips or anything you'd like to share with anyone before we kind of head off yeah um definitely pay attention to the weather forecast um make sure you're not going out and doing a lot of strenuous activity on those super hot days um heat index is something good to look at wet bulb globe temperature is another index to look at um, if you're concerned about heat stress so, um, yeah, pay attention to the weather forecast, um, different heat indexes, and try to stay cool. Thank you so much. Well, Molly, is there any um, one other thing, any other uh, like social media website that, that folks can, can monitor this on or anything you'd like to promote? We do have a website, an Urban Heat Island Project website um, from my office, and let me pull up. It's climate.ncsu.edu slash research slash UHI for Urban Heat Island. Um, so that's our website talking about the Urban Heat Island project. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Molly, for your time. And we appreciate you all watching us here on the Carolina Weather Group. Hopefully uh, you'll take uh, this information, learn about ways that you can help prevent these heat islands, like maybe planting a tree or some things like that, making the atmosphere and the surroundings environment a little bit more green. 
to uh, to cut down on this heat. So until next time, we hope you have a great afternoon and evening, and we'll see you back here soon on the Carolina Weather Group.